Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with Bielens and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We recently conducted a Skype session with Laura Valverde. Laura was both former standout player and former coach, both at the University of Miami. Laura is now the Associate Director of Player Development and Academy Manager at Miami Beach Tennis Academy and also is the founder of Tennis Between Lines. We hope you enjoy listening to this informative conversation. Hey, Laura. How you doing? Hi, Dave. How are you? Nice to see you. I'm good. Yeah, great to see you too. Thank you for uh, spending some time and walking us through your your tennis journey here today. Yeah, no problem. I'm I'm very stoked that you want to speak and excited when when we first met in in that Zoom happy hour <laughs> tennis for sure. talk. Yeah. We have a uh, we have a ton we have a ton to uh, unpack here and you got such an interesting journey. So, if you don't mind um, we're going to get obviously up to current date, but let's kind of start back from the beginning. I, I understand you're a native of Valencia, Venezuela. You then moved to Spain at the age of 14, right? Yeah. So how, I guess, did, did your parents get you and your brother, who uh, people in the tennis circles will know your brother's name. We'll get to him in a bit. But how did your parents get you into your you and your brother into the sport? Yeah, so it's really nothing fancy rather than just a country club story. I mean, we were both born in Valencia, Venezuela, like you said, and we just were part of the Spanish country club. And there were a swimming pool, a soccer field, tennis courts, and I think there was basketball. So um, my brother started with swimming. Um, he did that for about actually like six, seven years. And that's basically the first thing he did. And I started right away with tennis. And so I think I was pretty good and I was getting praised and, and I was getting, you know, they were telling me you're better than your brother. So that was exciting. And that was kind of, <laughs> I think, why, why I stuck with it. Um, I was better than him at something. And then um, he started tennis at about nine. And it was basically him, me and my dad. My dad was a soccer player. Um, so he was an athlete all along and he played tennis as a hobby. He was actually pretty good. He was, um, USDA terms. I think he was maybe, um, I don't really know, but it's one of the best rankings in USDA. So, um, he did good. I mean, he used to play all week, every weekend tournaments, doubles, singles, anything. Um, my mom then, you know, felt a little bit left out and started playing on her own. She was the only lefty in the family. So, Tennis just basically stuck around all along. That's kind now, of what we did. When you guys moved, you, I, I believe you moved at the age of 14. Was Did you and your brother move? Did your parents, did the whole family move? Or was it just something that you moved to go to Spain to train um, yeah. on your own? So, so basically, my brother left first. He was the one who went. He actually went to Miami. Um, I currently live in Miami, but he went to Miami for a year. Um, he did high school there. He trained there. He left earlier than us. And that was kind of the plan. We were planning either to go to Miami or to go to Spain. Um, I believe it got a little bit harder for my parents in terms of the paper, um, government paperwork, visas and all of that. It was easier to go to Spain because we were all Spanish already from, from when we were born. My family is Spanish. So um, we had the passport, we had everything. So they basically decided to go to Spain. Um, my brother and everybody moved when I was 14. So my brother was about 15. He's only a year older than me. So we both moved to Barcelona. 
to play and hit and play for hours, uh, learn the Spanish system. Uh, it took me, well, it took me about like a year and a half to get used to it. Uh, there were so many hours to be played. I had to learn, you know, the areas of the court. I had to learn how they were moving around. And they were telling me all these things that I suddenly started like not playing great tennis. And I was so frustrated. Um, we can talk about that later, but I, I really just, it took me a while to adapt to the move. Um, my parents were farther. They were in the Canary Islands, which is down by uh, Africa. It's away from the peninsula. Um, so it's, a, it's about like a two and a half, 245 hour drive. I mean, drive, oh, wow. flight, flight, sorry, flight. flight. They're, away, <laughs> they're far. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I know you said you had, you had a lot to learn and you struggled at the beginning, like anyone would do um, in any situation, yeah. but you obviously did okay because I know you got to about 500 in the world. And, you know, again, the challenges yeah. of being professional at the lower level is so difficult and you're really seeing it um, now in these times, especially when tennis has stopped um, yeah. because of COVID-19 and, and these Players at the lower levels can't even teach at clubs. They're just starting to, some areas are starting to open up now. Um, it's such a common problem. College seemed like a very nice option for you. Were you um, at, at that 17-year-old age, were you kind of against it? Or did you really want to give pro tennis a shot? Obviously, you know, the finances are, are what they are at that point. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, this is still... I mean, I'm far away from that already. I mean, I've coached, I, I've been not a player for a long time. Um, so I've coached for, for now a while. So I understand every area, every angle of the sport. But when I was a player then, now that we're drive, diving into it, I, um, I wasn't so happy because it was basically the time where I was doing my best. I was about, I had kind of like jumped over that hump of not understanding what was going on with the Spanish system and, and like retraining my brain. And so I started doing better and I actually got to, I think it was like 460 or so. And I was like seven, 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and I was doing great. I mean, I was basically going through fifties and 75,000, like past the qualities. I was doing great. I, this is a funny story and you know i i always i will i laugh about it with my dad now but it wasn't funny then um i had done my best tournament in luxembourg i passed the qualities of a 75 i beat um Dokic. do you remember yelena Dokic? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i beat her in the last round of qualities and obviously she was like 300 something at the time she was coming back from an injury but I mean, I had seen her on TV. She was number four in the world. I'm like, why am I even playing against this girl? And I beat her like seven, five in the third. I passed the qualities. I'm playing um, her name. She was French. Her last name was Ferret. She was like 40 in the world. And I lost like four and four. Not bad. Uh, Clay Court, Luxembourg, beautiful country club. After that weekend, I'm like, oh, I'm on my way. I'll be fine. You know, I'm 460 in the world around. I'll probably kick up and I don't know, who knows? I'm 17. I can do this. And um, my dad gives my brother and I a call and says, listen, you have to come to Tenerife. You have to come have, you know, family time or something. And we have to have a talk. And I'm like, okay, fine. I mean, let's go home. I mean, that's nice to go for a weekend. We used to go for the weekend. 
And uh, we had the family talk, which was, you know, you guys have to go to college. Uh, I cannot, you know, pick between the two. Uh, you know, basically finances was an issue at the time. He was, he's been paying for, for two siblings for, for the longest time. Um, we had help, you know, in the middle of the journey, I'm sure. But I, these were things that obviously as a kid, as a, as a young player, I, I didn't know about. Um, this wasn't something my dad would discuss with me until it had to be discussed. And it just was funny that it happened after one of my best, in my mind, my best, you know, tournament. Right. And, and I was in complete shock. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, this is, you're basically shattering my dreams of, of being, you know, this, because I didn't know, I had no education about what college was about. Right. That's then, what I was going to ask you, like if you and your brother even were knowledgeable about the, the college tennis system in the U.S. Yeah, that's the thing. It was a shame because it was a shame. And also I kind of got lucky that I was just a, a fighter and I was a I, you know, I was an adapter. I, I didn't I wasn't going to allow myself to lose or just waste months just because I, I, I got to college and I didn't know what it was about. I really didn't know. My dad did a good job. Education was big in my family, but my dream and my brother's dream was always to be a professional tennis player. So we were on our way. We were doing really well. And then we kind of had to stop. And it was, it was a sudden stop, right? I think it's because my dad was kind of, now that I understand adulthood, I think he was afraid to, to break our dream. I think he was, you know, he, he was maybe a little bit ashamed that he couldn't, you know, do it for us or something like that. But um, it was a sudden stop. So when I was told you're going to college, I didn't really quite understand, like, what do you mean? I have to like stop playing. And back then college wasn't as good as it is now. It wasn't as, um, I may say the word, it wasn't as organized in terms of like the jump. Um, so I think it was together with the level that was there as well. I mean, I think the level has increased right now. So, you know, the kids that I recruited when I trained, when, when I coached at Miami, I, they were coming completely knowing what was going on. This is what right. we're going to do. This is the plan. I know where you are. I know what you've done. This is, you know, it's different, right? I kind of yeah. just landed in Miami and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what am, Scary. where's my, yeah. yeah, where's my career? Where am I going? I'm studying. That's fine. I've always focused on my studies and I've, I, I was luckily a good student, but I, I didn't know what to do with my, with my tennis. So I, I went through a little bit of a, you know, I, I stopped training for like a month. I was like, why am I even playing tennis? You know, I'm being really real right now, but I, um, I went back, I got to Miami and I said, you know what? I, I want to do well because I have some pride. And uh, I did well my first two tournaments. And then I, because I didn't understand what college was about, about the consistency, about how many matches you're going to play, about how tired you're going to be, about playing for more than yourself, playing for, I, I wasn't understanding. So by the third tournament, I said, this is easy. I mean, I, I'm going to kill this, right? Like I have been doing well and I got to regional and I got, I mean, I lost second round, like boom. And playing at like 8.30 in the morning, there's like a bunch of players in the tournament. I'm like, what are, it's so cold. Why am I playing at 8.30 in the morning in the <laughs> middle of Alabama? 
and I'm asking my coach these things. And now that I'm a coach, I, I sound ridiculous. But when I was a player, right. this is where the I was. The wake-up call. And she woke me up. I mean, Paige just, she said, you're not going to go anywhere if this is who you are. Um, and like I was saying before, luckily, I'm an adapter and I'm a fighter and I got it. This is why we had such a great relationship uh, as player and coach because it only took one time for her to tell me something. And I was like, I get it. I mean, I get the big picture, so let's do this. But it was hard. It was hard to, like, understand um because I yeah and i want to and and obviously yeah. you did i mean obviously you did you did understand it and you had quite a college career we're going to get to that in one second um before we get to that we've mentioned your brother a couple times and for the people in the tennis circles it's danny valverde and you may um have heard that name in the coaching circles he works closely with magnus norman with stan right and then also with um with carolina Pliskova, right yeah he's on her team uh I think they started late last, last, last year in 2019. Right. So you've heard that name. Now, he was in Miami with you for a little bit. He's only like, what did you say? He's only like 13 months older than you, right? So you guys yeah. are close in age. So you guys had each other, which made it easier. Um, before we dive into the success of your college career, I just, funny question, curious. If you played him in a set today, right after this call, and you play him in a set today, who's, who's taken home for family pride? Um, honestly, I, I don't know. I would like to ask him that question. I would like to ask Danny, who does he think will win in a set? I'm going to, well, go I'm not asking him. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go ahead. I think I'm going to say that it's going to, it would be him just, but he hasn't played. I'm playing all the time. And he, I don't think has like, the thing is, I don't know if he hits with this guys. I don't think he does anymore. So I think he only kind of coaches. Okay. Um, so I think I've kept, uh, my fitness up and my hitting up, but there's a bunch of variables. I mean, he probably still serving big. I mean, he, he used to bother me a lot with his skinny forehand. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm like five, three. I mean, obviously that would bother me. Um, I, um, I would say people say I'm more talented on the net than him, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I don't know who would win. I'm going to give it to him just because I'm come I'm on. Nice. I mean, he doesn't have a chance to defend himself. This is your time to shine. I was going to say <laughs> six, four or seven, five, or even in a breaker, but I guess you're being the, the, the good little sister. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just hero. wanted to intro. I mean, he's you guys have an hero. interesting family. You have an interesting family dynamic and a lot of history. Um, and a ton yeah. of experience. So let's kind of go back to college for a little bit because like you said, you were, you were literally uneducated on how all this process worked when you, when you got to Miami. You had that wake-up call with your coach. You obviously took that all in and, and understood it gladly for you because your success was, was amazing. You played at Miami from the years 2006 through 2010. You're third all-time at Miami in singles wins with 131 total wins um you reached the finals yeah you reached the finals of the ncaa singles in 2009 advanced the semis the next year you were the first two-time semi-finalist in program history at that time so that wake-up call it wasn't like uh your coach had to have a you know a few more of those talks with you it seemed to register pretty quickly and you had you had a ton of success yeah um to be honest 
I can still recall the times that we spoke and they're in my hand. Uh, the big talks, they were few and far between, but they were good. Uh, they were just on point. Uh, she helped me just go through the humps that were key uh, for my development. So that was big. And luckily enough, I listened well. And this is part of the reason of who I was as a player is, is how I coach. I try to help my kids to save time, um, to share my experiences with them. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's big to listen uh, quickly. I mean, I've, if there's one thing I see and I've seen in, in champions that I've coached, it's they're they're just very quick at adapting and at listening it's just it takes one time and you see a change uh so yeah my career at miami i mean i we cried we laughed we we did so many things so many good memories uh, as a as an individual with my coach as an individual with my team as teammates i mean it, it was it was for sure one of the greatest things that i've done and and it's a shame, right? I didn't know what it was about. Mind you, I got it when I was there, but right. that's, that's also why I wanted to connect that point when you said that. It's, that's why I keep doing, and that's why I kept coaching at Miami. I, my philosophies as a coach and just even my views for the sport, it's, I, I always say this. I mean, there's got to be more education about everything, about every angle of the sport, um and for people to truly get what tennis is about um so yeah i think it came again it makes sense it comes from my experiences and 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 the miami times as a player i would say i was the fittest i was the strongest mentally physically i i got to a level that honestly i think i was playing close to like top 200 tennis I would say top 250 200 um I didn't continue playing because finances came late so finances was an issue for me for my entire uh, that, that, yeah. that was that's my case that's that brutal one of those. it's you're you're one but it's not like you're a rare case it's just brutal and I hope yeah. now if anything good comes out of this stoppage is that the ATP the WTA the slams the ITF can come together and somehow help um because it's, it's, it's just not right. It's not right. So hopefully if anything comes yeah. good out of this, they'll, and they're trying, I, I, I get yeah, it. I I'm, think, I'm listening. Listen, I, I, I think it's always going to happen. I mean, there's always going to be those cases. I mean, not everybody, listen, there's a few spots for, for that's how life works. It's not, right. not everybody can do what everybody wants to do, but um, we can definitely make it better if that's, yeah you know, something that sure. needs to be talked about. Yeah. You, um, I mean, you had a stellar playing career at Miami and then you went on to coach there for what, like a long time, 2013 to 2019. I think so. Well, yeah, so, I did. I volunteered for, for two years while I was doing my master's, and, my uh, master's okay. and then I started officially, I think 2013. Okay. So you obviously already had that love for the university. Um, was coaching some like did you did you kind of dip your toe into it at the volunteer level see if this is something that you really like you you went into it you did like it and then you said okay this could possibly be something I want to do for the next several years yeah um honestly it it, it was just 
something that happened. I, I, I came back, uh, I finished my undergrad, and then I went to Barry University, which is just right up north here in Miami, very close. Um, I started sports psychology, my master's, and basically I did, uh, I was the assistant. I was the graduate assistant for that team, for Division II team. And I did it for a year. Um, I realized I didn't like it. I realized I was not going to be a sports psychologist. Um, I realized while I was coaching that either I should go play because I miss it so much, or um, I want to stay closer to the court, closer to the sport somehow. Um, I either didn't know if that was coaching um, at what level. I didn't know where that was, but I did know that I knew I knew high level tennis and I loved the sport. So anything, so usually when you coach better tennis, you're close to people that love the sport as well because they've done it for, for a long time and they, they're into it, right? But um, I decided to go back to Miami. There was an opportunity that they opened the manager position. So I took it and basically I started doing my master's in uh, sport management and administration uh, with the staff there at the school. They're, they're, un they're great. And I used to know them from undergrad. Um, so I was, it was family. I, I went You're back. Comfortable, they, yeah. They knew me. Uh, it was amazing. And so when I finished, uh, they still had an assistant. His name was Alex Santos and he's a friend of mine. Um, he was a volunteer when I was, when I was playing, he was a volunteer. No, he was the assistant when I was a volunteer. So it just kind of stayed in the family. And then when I left, I finished my master's and I, I left to Naples to go work for a little bit with, uh, Emilio Sanchez, um, which is who I had trained with in Barcelona when right. I moved. Kid, so, yeah. so again, looking for family, right? Like looking to stay close to what I knew. Um, so when I was there, Paige called me and said, listen, Alex took the head job in Pittsburgh, uh, which was something that I wasn't expecting at all. I thought he was going to stay. I had no idea that that was happening. And I was in Naples and she said, listen, the job is open. If you want it, you can have it. I said, okay obviously again i was going back home i was going back to family i was going back to high level tennis and when i got there the love for tennis is and the love for miami and tennis is what was driving me right that that's how like i was coaching and then as the years went on i started realizing okay i think i'm good at this i want to coach i want to develop my philosophies i want to know who i am and that was kind of like an automatic thing that happened um, and yeah, and that just kept going and going and going. And we, I did it for a long time. And I believe I was at the top of college athletics, really, um, as a player and as a coach, I felt like I learned, I know what it is. And, and that's what happened. Now I had to, I decided to move on and this is where I am now. We can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah. And in a minute, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of talk about yeah. a story that, that I was personally involved in. Um, First of all, credit to you and your head coach. You guys coached an NCAA champ, 2019 NCAA champ, Estella Perez-Samariba. And I actually saw her play the exhibition this past yeah. February against Coco, against Coco Golf. This was at the men's 250 um, ATP event. Uh, you were not there. I was there. No. Um, I'd never seen her play. I had heard of the name, but I'd never seen her play. I did not know what she looked like. 
And in Delray, it's interesting. You got like a huge stadium court, then you got a few rows of courts, and then you got these two, you have a big patch of grass and you have like these two extra practice courts that you could see. And on one court, I think it was the Bryan brothers practicing. And I think like um, they were there for a little while, then Francis Tifo came. And then on the other court, which is next to them, a couple girls, and I think they, they had Miami gear on, but they were, they were not, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, not physically imposing. And you knew they were good because they were hitting and they were good. And then, oh, some, and then someone whispered, that's Estella. And I'm like, oh, wow. So we saw her warming up. Um, again, not physically imposing. I'd never seen mm-hmm. her play. Um, I then go and, and get to watch the match. And, and I told you this a little bit um, a few weeks ago when I watched her. She more uh, than held her own on the baseline versus Coco. I mean, it wasn't like Coco was hitting her off the court at all. Very mature. Yeah. The thing yeah. that, and again, you, you don't know how Coco would really play it in a match, but this was an exhibition. Um, Coco hit a ton of drop shots. And her transitioning to the net and her comfortability at the net, that showed a little bit lacking. But the baseline rallies, I mean, yeah. she, again, she more than held her own. And, and even more so, and this goes credit to the coaches, because now we're talking beyond tennis a little bit. I, um, as, a, as a media credential at the event, I saw her press conference, her post-match press conference. And listening to her, um, extremely mature, extremely polite, um, extremely um, grateful for the opportunities. I mean, this was sold out. This was packed stadium court when she played Coco. Yeah. And I was so, very, very impressed. Yeah, that was. I'm, I mean, the first time that she's played in front of that many people. I mean, she's never done that before. Um, but they told me, was it very windy? Or, because um, it, it's harder. It was, but it's harder when you're in that because sometimes the stands block a lot of that wind. So obviously she would be able to, to make a better yeah. assessment of that. Yeah. So um, I knew, I mean, just we found out, I don't remember, but it was in the fall. We, I heard that she was going to do that. And um, my first thought was, okay, it's going to be the biggest crowd that she's ever played, you know, in front of. Um, Second, I was so excited. I'm like, this is going to be an unbelievable experience for her, win or lose. Obviously, she wasn't going to win. I knew she wasn't going to win. I don't think Coco was going to let her do that either way. I mean, even if it was an exhibition. But, uh, and, and she can't. I mean, I knew she would hold her own, but there's a few things that, I mean, come on, her serve needs to get better. Um, Coco's serve is pretty much, you know, I would say is, is a weapon of hers. I mean, obviously can always get better. But um, I saw, when I saw her drop shotting Stella, I, because I was what, there was streaming and I watched a little bit because okay. then the streaming went off and then it wasn't working. I was like so annoyed. Um, right. But my, my, actually, my dad was here, so I couldn't make it over there. He was leaving to Europe the next day. Um, so I started seeing her drop shot, like you said, and I wondered, I said, okay, is it because it's windy and she's drop shutting? I don't know. She wants to get out of the rally. Is it because she's realizing that Stella is really holding her own from the back and yep. just kind of wants to see her come in? Or is it because she's heard that she might not be as good going forward at the net? Like, I am so curious to know the why she was drop shotting so much. Um, yeah. or was it just, just Coco, like figuring it out? She mentioned it. it. She, Coco, cause people asked in the post, in the post mass conference in, no, for Coco and she said, um, 
no real reason for it other than it was an <laughs> exhibition. She probably would not have done it if it was a regular match. Oh, but, so she um, was doing it for, for the show a little bit. I, I Yeah, I mean, she didn't really answer it as far as a strategy reason. But for, okay. for the people who are watching and are listening to this, we'll also have an audio-only version of this. The scores were like four and three or three and four. This was not one and one or one and all. And again, I yeah. mean, from the back Stella, of the court. I mean, listen, Stella is like, you, you don't know her. And everything that you said is exactly how she is and who she is. She's so polite, such a great kid super grateful of the opportunity from the get-go from the beginning um her her family is extraordinary i mean her family is you know her father's an architect her mom is also an architect i believe and uh he he um he's a professor in a university the mom runs uh, a vineyard up in like the north of spain i mean they're they're an excellent family she has three more sisters um one's a musician in new york she plays the piano the other one is an engineer the other one's an architect i mean oh, they're wow. you know <laughs> they're they're very smart they're very nice people uh they know they understand the big picture stella so the way you see her talk right in the press conference is very that, mature yeah it's family it's you know obviously coaching and the way she's coached at miami but i mean it's her it's it's just how she is and that's that's why I think she has a great shot to be good if things improve and she doesn't get stuck. I mean, she needs to continue improving and not waste time and all of the good stuff. But character-wise, I mean, she's, she's great. She's got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move into today because you have some very exciting things going on. Uh, your <laughs> yeah. current position, you're now the Associate Director of Player Development and Academy Manager at Miami Beach Tennis Academy. And you mm -hmm. also have this other project, which is super, super cool, called Tennis Between Lines. And yeah. I'm going to ask, ask you a little bit about that. But before I do that, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about what's going on in, in your current world. Yeah, so my current world is obviously waiting for this virus to pass, but um, and hoping everybody's safe and keeping my family and you know spending a lot of time with my dog. I I recently started playing. They opened up the the courts in in Miami Beach uh, yesterday, actually, and so. But basically, you know, long story short, I knew Martin uh, Van Dalen, who's the director of programming at the academy. I knew him from just the coaching world and from recruiting. Uh, I spoke to him maybe two, three times around my time at Miami for a couple girls that he, he knew and he coached. And so we developed a little bit of a relationship. And um, I just wanted to, to have a turn, a turn in my life. I knew that I wanted to venture into different angles of the sport. Uh, I knew that I wanted to continue growing in certain areas that I hadn't developed, you know, let's say also like technique, like different parts of development that I want to learn uh, about. And so I didn't know where that was going to be best. Um, I also was doubting a little bit whether or not to wait and continue being open for college, which I've decided that I'm not going to make a decision on that. I'm still open for whatever opportunity there is. Uh, 
but like I said earlier, I, I, I feel like I've, I've been at the top of college. And so I, I have a feeling inside that I know what it is. And so I have the luxury to make a decision to go back or not. Um, yeah. For now, I'm happy to work with, I'm working with like uh, four or five kids that uh, played nationally um, and regionally, obviously in Florida and the state. Um, they're good, committed kids. Uh, um, it's nice to to know what's coming for them, and I can teach them kind of like backwards. Um, before I I never experienced that, and, yeah, and I feel that's like super I'm cool. yeah, I'm communicating different. They're listening different because you know when you're a younger coach, you you see it differently. Now, I mean, I I say younger as if I'm you know, but I'm, yeah, you're I'm not that you're not that old, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I mean is I, I've experienced something. So now that I'm in the years prior to that, I can, I, I know what's about, what it is about. So it's nice to coach that level now. And, uh, I'm involved in the, in the club involved on, um, just how to get the club better, you know, deal with the members deal with you know our our culture our just you know it's thinking about it as it's kind of like my um now the club right. is like my you know it's my responsibility to make sure that the place where i am runs well and i'm working very nicely with martin and laurie and it's fun it's a fun uh, environment and uh, i'm still in miami which is where i wanted to personally stay for now and yeah. so it's good. And through all of these things, I mean, like I said, we've spoken about this, but yeah, Tennis Between Lines is, um, it's a project that I've had in my brain for a long time. And it, it, uh, it matches my, my experience and my life and it comes from the heart. And it's basically an educational platform that I just recently put out in the platforms uh, in social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel. Um, but it's a, it's a way to collect tennis stories from, from anywhere in the world, from, from really anybody that's related, uh, to tennis for their entire life. And tennis means something to them. Um, I want to make sure that I help, you know, portray their, their journeys, their careers, or even their relationship to the sport, um, so that I can, you know, do my best to to relate that to everybody and make tennis more of a, a community and, and, and really talk about what it is about instead of winning and losing and records and, and all yeah. that good stuff. I'm, I'm glad you said that. If you don't mind, I want to kind of um, talk about that very point. Cause I've heard the interviews that you've done. They're awesome. Yeah. You've told me you have a, uh, you've already recorded a lot of more guests that are, that are in the pipeline. And I'm looking forward to, to hearing those as well. But one thing that you emphasize with your guests is that, you know, people dedicate their lives as a young child, whether they stay in their own uh, town or whether they go to a different state or whether they go to a different country and they put in hours and hours and hours and all they do is train. And there's a point there that at the end of the day, even if you don't make it, to that big stage, whatever that big stage is, you want to say top 100, top 50, Grand Slam, you know, quarterfinals, whatever it is. These kids, when you look at the number of hours, they will have put in just as many hours as Rafa or Roger or Novak or Serena or Venus, whatever it is. Just because you maybe not make it as high as them 
does not mean that you have failed. And yeah. you, you do an, an unbelievable job at talking about this with your guests better than probably what I just paraphrased it to you. But I want <laughs> you to, to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, again, David, it, it comes from, from within, from my life, uh, and from coaching so many kids, you know, and, and seeing so many parents and, and dynamics with parents and coaches and kids and, and parents that get impatient and kids that define themselves, you know, with wins and losses. They do. They define themselves by if I'm a winner or I'm a loser. And, um, you know, I, I see it differently. You know, again, I might've seen it differently when I was younger, but as I grow, I understand that you have to define success, right? Like what success is for you. So yeah. Do we all want to, you know, would love to have ended up on TV, like all these guys and girls and women that I talk to, you know, the professionals that we see on TV, but it's not about that. You know, it's, it's about ten like tennis is in my walls. Like tennis is in, you know, I drew that during COVID, COVID by the way. Um, it's, it's tennis is in my family. Like tennis is, is within my friends, like people that, you know, artists, like, uh, businessmen, musicians, like people call me, they text me. They're like, let's go play. I mean, it's this idea of, of, understanding the sport beyond winning and losing and and i think i started this to motivate and and help parents and and young players like that was my you know the beginning of of the seed here in my brain but um for them to relate to relate to the journey of of that grand slam winner you know um to relate to the journey of that person that ended up not playing pro because of finances to relate to that journey of you know that 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 photographer that actually decided not to go to college to play tennis that he did so many hours for because he loved photography as well and but then later on he put tennis together in his work of photography like things like this like tennis stays with you for life and if parents understand this when their kid is going through the journey Okay, like, yeah, let's do it right. Let's try to make the right decisions to the journey. Let's try to, you know, to do it the best that we can to try and get to the best scenario that we can. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I spoke to Horia Tekao and he said it perfectly. He said, it's an investment for your education. I mean, this is exactly how you have to see it as a parent. It's not easy. Yeah, I mean, it's you're putting time, you're putting money, you're sacrificing even like, family dynamics, you know, family hours. But at the end of the day, I mean, you see it as experiences, right? Like your kid is going through the right experiences in their life. And, and really tennis, for me, it's been just a platform for me to evolve as a human being yep. every single year of my life. I mean, every year I would look right back there. Boom. Yeah, right there. I mean, every year I would look back and I'm like, oh my God, like I just went through that. Like I just did that. And so as I, gr I feel like, you know, I'm 33 now, but I feel like I'm way beyond my years in terms of emotionally. And I think, I mean, it's absolutely due to tennis. I, I, the, down. Yeah. The, the, some of the things I heard, the, the discipline and the mindset, not only the, just the discipline of training that hard for so many hours and so many years it's the mindset that 
a child will have after going through this year after year after year that no matter what situation they're put in outside of the tennis world, sorry, there's my headphones outside of the tennis world. Um, you know, whatever professional uh, field they choose to go into, they're going to have this discipline, this, this mindset, this um, process based uh, it's a tool. mentality. It's, it's, that it's, it's, a, it's a mental tool because I coach so many kids that, you know, I would compare it. I mean, and I was in college, right? So I would compare a student athlete to like a regular student. And, and it, it sounds horrible when I say it like that. It's like, we used to call them our regular people and we're like, we're not regular people, but I would compare him with their age and, and it was beyond their years. And why? Because like tennis in the tennis court and tennis training and practice and everything that you do, it puts you in such uncomfortable situations all the time. You're always tested. You're always put in the spot. You're always like making sure that you show no weakness, right? So only that in itself, you are, I mean, you're fighting as a person. You're showing that this is your fighting spirit. And I mean, this happens in life. Imagine what's happening now, right? With right. the virus and everything. So I just think they're more emotionally prepared than uh you know any athlete but since we're talking about tennis. right right no i i love yeah. it i love that um this was awesome i appreciate i think your time. i think it's... your i think your printer was going off yeah it is my you know we're, we're doing e-learning here you know we, we got my 16 year old so so uh so we're, we're keeping it real as we will we're gonna have to hand this off to the 16 year old but um <laughs> we're all good hopefully it did not uh make too much noise because that points yeah. the points that you made and the messages that you just portrayed um so important and i love that you emphasize that in your discussions with with your future guests and um, yeah it's, we're, it's we're my, going my 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 dream is to uh to get to a point where I speak about it with so many, with so many successful figures and so many people that have gone through the sport and start finding that everything that they say, it, it matches. Like they, you know, I've spoken to three people now or more actually, but more, yeah, yeah more, but three that I've put out and they all say, love what you do, no matter what, like, you have to be passionate about it, like no matter what. And it's hilarious because they're all successful in their own way because they've done that in their life. Um, they all say person before the player, no matter what. You have to develop the person right. be before, before the player. I hope people player. taking notes because I'm taking notes <laughs> right now. Um, they all say, listen, don't compare yourself to others. Like your past is completely different you will develop at different times. You will fail at different times. You will, you know, be victorious at different times. So like, it's an up and down journey. It, they all say, trust the process before the result. You cannot talk about results. You need to focus on the process because at the end of the day, no matter where you get, it's long. It's a long process. It's about the long process. You, you cannot, the, the Grigor Dimitrov fitness coach said, Sebastian, he's amazing. He said, don't count your victories too early because your body is going to change. And I was like, wait, so that's in the fitness world. But at the same time, it's the same. 
in the coaching world, in the te in the playing world, I mean, don't count your it's what's the same? Don't count your eggs or something with the chicken. What's that same? You know that? Yeah, you know? don't count. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't count chickens yeah. before something like before the hatch, something like that. Yeah, don't count chickens before the hatch. But um, no, th this this is awesome, and I hope that yeah. a lot of junior players get to hear. Um, our not only our conversation but the other videos that that you put out because you place such an emphasis on uh, on that point and it's so so important in in someone's development again in any field obviously our platform right now is tennis yeah um, we've been we've been going around 45 minutes and I don't want to take up too much more of your time this was um, this was incredible and awesome and I want to kind of end and you know I put this on a on a post that you saw. Um, recently and i know the times that we're going through right now in 2020 it, it's it's kind of sucked right it's kind of been hard oh, when we talk about kobe you know kobe losing in that tragic with the plane accident with his daughter and, and seven other additional people whose lives way um, lost way too way too soon and and now with with covid19 people have uh, lost friends family jobs certain life events have had to be canceled and I, my, my message to you, and I know we've talked about this, Laura, is that right now, if you can, and I wish this for everyone, to surround yourself with people and activities that, like you say, the magic word, passionate, that you're passionate about, and um, talk to people and do the activities that, that pull you up and, and feed you positive energy because it makes a world a world of difference and, and you know we've we've met through various other um people who love the sport of tennis and that's how we met yeah and when you surround yourself whatever it is when you surround yourself with people who have that shared passions um you you, you have some incredible experiences so I, I wish that for everybody right now um in these trying times yeah that's that's nice david and i agree 100 percent and Thank you so much for talking. We we can talk more tennis soon. I think we should do one of the happy hour Zoom talks again. For <laughs> sure. So that, yeah, that's so great that Craig does. Craig Shapiro does that. And, and go He's make amazing. sure to check out Craig too. This was great, Laura. Thank you so much. And I uh, I know we'll continue our conversations going forward. For sure. Thank you, David. And I'll see you soon, maybe, when all of this, you know, goes back to normal. And maybe we can meet at a tournament or... February Del Rey, you better be there because I know. Oh I'll be wow, there. that's a year from now. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. We'll try to make it sooner. We'll try to make it sooner. But thanks again, okay. Laura. This was awesome. No problem. Thank you, David. Bye.